Yeah, good morning. You're listening to Breakfast Bites, and I am Felicia King. And today we have Maxim Lamoth Broussard, the inventor and chief dude over at Lima Charlie. Also, uh, what's your other company's name? Um, uh, so our, the, our re- corporate entity is Refraction Point, but Lima Charlie yeah. is everything we do. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, because you had to confuse us all. That's what it was. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, so this is going to be an interesting show because um, I encountered you guys mm, some months ago and I thought what you were doing was really just a, a tectonic shift in the marketplace and really uh, a unique paradigm that I found to be rather refreshing, uh, you know, insightful. It's rare for me to encounter a company that has not only such good staff, but also good leadership that has a dedication to doing things from the engineering and security common sense, good approach, as opposed to like just sitting around and thinking about how do we get enough market share and then we can do an IPO and then we'll just sell out to some, you know, vulture capitalist who will then destroy the company. You know, (laughs) like that's not what you guys are about. And I might add that that kind of an assessment is just truly important when you're doing supply chain risk. Like if uh, my organization is going to select a vendor to have a long-term sustainable partnership with, I mean, I'm investing basically in the management of that company because Mm. if we go and invest tons into it and then suddenly the pricing model for something changes drastically to the point where it is too cost prohibitive to consume it anymore. Well, then my goodness, we've spent hundreds of hours of our lives investing into a platform and developing processes around it that, you know, is just like lit on fire. Um, I mean, I'm reminded of recently, there's a product that used to be a hundred bucks a month with no commitment. And now they've gone to $300 a month. No, actually, I'm sorry. It was $395 per month. And you have to commit for three years. And I mean, it just doesn't, it just doesn't mesh out. I mean, the product just is, it doesn't give you that kind of financial ROI for the vast majority of organizations. Anyways, I digress. (laughs) Totally agree. So um, just, I want to set up this discussion a little bit. So I first want to say that, you know, the listeners of the Breakfast Bite Bytes podcast are aware of some of the implications already of the necessity of using an endpoint protection product. So EPP EDR solutions that are third-party attested, they're validated, they are tested against, you know, MITRE attack framework, they're known in the enterprise space. This is very important that an organization is utilizing a product that meets Uh, enterprise known and generally, I would say, insurance company understood this is a good endpoint protection platform. And we have actually seen that in the latest batches of uh, insurance, cybersecurity insurance questionnaires that come in. They've now got these little drop downs in there that are like, oh, do you have this, this or this endpoint protection, right? (laughs) So so it makes you kind of clamp up a little bit when when whatever you're using isn't on the list. But I mean, the fact that it's not on the list does not mean that you can't use it. However, um, so it's really important, and we've covered this before on the the show, so I'm not going to rehash this much, but that it's very important that an endpoint protection product is utilized that is known 
in the enterprise security space and known good third party validated tested against the uh, MITRE TAC framework and other things like that. However, I have seen gaps in what endpoint protection platforms deliver and when I have approached those endpoint protection companies, oftentimes the response I get is, well, you know, we don't want to collect 365 days worth of log data from those endpoints. You know, we don't want to co collect the firewall logs. There's a lot of things we don't want to collect because it's just too darned expensive. And we don't want to deploy Sysmon and we don't want to be looking at the Sysmon generated data. Um, you know, they, they tell me that they feel that the rules that they're utilizing with the telemetry that they are collecting, they feel like that's, that's adequate. Now, what I've seen is when an organization goes out and gets a third party SOC, such as like Perch, uh, they could be getting a vigilant response from Sentinel-1. More often than not, in those cases, those SOCs are actually deploying Sysmon. And then that data is coming back, getting collected, and it's getting analyzed either using a SOAR, XDR, some sort of system that is looking at the correlated events and then generating alerts to the humans. And so you're getting much better quality data, and you're also getting long-term retention of that uh, forensic post-incident response log data, because I think we have to assume that the bad guys are just going to whack the logs on the endpoints. And mm -hmm. if we haven't been constantly sending the logs off of the endpoints, then I think we have to assume we're not going to have those available. So anyways, that's the gap that I feel exists in most endpoint protection platforms. And not everybody is up for paying for a SOC. So, you know, I, I saw your guys' platform and dug into it and went like, wow, you know, this is perfect. The model that you have, I mean, you provide everybody basically unlimited free training. I mean, it's just amazing. And then you allow anyone to have uh, this very, very low cost of entry to, to the point where they can build their competency with the platform. And then you've created this open platform where other organizations are able to create their curated content and publish it, and then it can be consumed at a very, very, very cost-effective rate. So I don't actually think there's anybody else out there doing what you're doing, and I find it just so incredibly innovative, and it is meeting such a market need, and I would just like to you know, have you share your wisdom on this topic with the rest of us, because I feel like so many people could benefit from the utilization, utilization of your tool to fill this gap uh, in terms of, I mean, if we just look very specifically at saying, let's put Sysmon on the endpoints, let's configure Sysmon, let's get the data back, let's analyze it, let's you know, use LC as perhaps a, like a, a curated event XDR and send some triggers based upon that. And then let's also use it as a, a SIM, a log mm -hmm. retention, right? Long-term log retention. You know, there's so many things it can do. I, I feel like it's really the barrier is our ability to imagine it and to execute. So I turn it over <laughs> to you. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks. You know, that's, that's a really, uh, thanks for the intro. Um, Totally. It's, you know, I, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of the, uh, you know, the current state of the market where 
like there's a lot of really good EPP product. And you know, like you say, the kind of the, the standardization on, you know, things that are known is, um, is really good. And because they are automated products, right? Like that don't necessarily kind of, you know, need a lot of, of interaction, then doing that, that testing against them is something that that's that's good, that's feasible. So yeah, let's measure it. Let's make sure you know things are 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 up to par. The gap that you mentioned um, is is absolutely something that we've identified. You know, for me personally, I used to do a lot of kind of you know ground level security, and the the biggest uh, point, the biggest pain point that I had <clears throat> was this this governance piece, right? Meaning look, I have endpoints uh, or, you know, a network like or a customer and I need to ensure their security. I do want this thing that's going to, you know, kind of magically cut down like a whole bunch of like prevent a whole bunch of different types of intrusions. That's good. I want that. But you know what? What I also want is to be able to have visibility and do things uh, into that network, right? I should have those abilities. And, um, the the prevention side of things shouldn't prevent me from you know having the rest of it so uh, that's that's really kind of one of the core drivers that that we had um in making this available was look we're not you know we're not doing this like product that kind of does the, the jedi mind trick of like hey you are safe with us right no that's not what we're about um but rather we're about exactly what you said which is let's figure out what are the hard pieces of like of infrastructure uh, around security you know what are the hard pieces to get uh, and let's you know put them out there in a really kind of easy to use manner um, but also let's do that in a way that we always wanted to be able to receive it ourselves which is you know the 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 whole kind of business model, right? Uh, that that you, I, you know, it's, it sounds dirty just saying business model, but that's really what it is at the end of the day, which is the AWS model, right? We we kind of looked at like, hey, you know, how do we want to offer this and that? And at the end of the day, we kind of realized, you know, what we actually really want is to feel like what you know how we feel AW we use AWS or Google Cloud or Azure, which is to say. Um, you know, I want an EDR. I want a hundred and you know endpoints for my EDR. Do I want to set up five different calls over the next month and a half with uh, you know a, a vendor, an EDR vendor, and then maybe after the fourth call, I might get a demo, and then maybe at the end of this, I have the privilege of you know putting in like a one-year or three-year contract. Like, I'm going to go on the limb saying like everybody hates that. So. <laughs> You know, I, I just, I wanted the ability to go and say, you know what, you want it? Yeah, it's like, a, you know, AWS, you can get it, put it in effect. And, and the AWS kind of part uh, it really goes all the way through, right? Which is yeah, and, AWS's and, infrastructure. Yeah, and I think I, there's a really salient point here I want to point out on feeding off of what you just said, which is that because of the way that you've designed this, it is actually possible for someone to come in and utilize LC as an incident response tool. Uh, you've also recently developed technology whereby you can have things pre-deployed, but in a sleeping state 
so they consume almost nothing so that they can be turned on full bore when you want. I mean, again, nobody's doing this. It's just, it's a, you know, it's a tectonic paradigm shift. And I have to say, I thought it was hysterically funny when you said Jedi mind trick, because there really is this whole thing around endpoint protection platforms Uh where it's like, you know, I mean, I think Sentinel one is a good product, but I really also feel like there's a lot of people that just go gaga and go like, well, if you're not using Sentinel one, you must be using total trash because nothing is as good as Sentinel one. But yet I pulled up a, a 25 page white paper, I think that came out of either Australia or New Zealand. It was an academic research paper where these academic researchers created malware packets, uh, malware packages that were less than 64K and they smoked those things past every single endpoint protection platform that was out there, including, including Sentinel One. And then I saw some beautiful training from Black Hills Information Security in the last month where uh, one of their lead hackers, he basically demonstrated that if you create a less than 64K package and you encode it in base 64, and then you just have it function in resident memory, it will, so it's, it's basically a .NET package and uh, it will work and it, you can use it to gain persistence on endpoints. I mean, he demonstrated this in less than an hour, right? <laughs> so again, I think it's an absolute lunacy fallacy, as you say, a Jedi mind trick to think that, you know, you're suddenly secure just because you have an endpoint protection platform. Uh, what, when instead, what we really need is a cohesive strategy of all of these parts and pieces that fit together that, yes, your goal, number one, is to prevent, prevent, prevent. But at the same time, we have to know after the fact oh, well, wait, wait, we think something is happening over here. Now let's actually do a good job of collecting the right data, analyzing it, retaining it, and using the AI that exists to be able to um, alert the humans. I'm going to call it the delivery of curated events to the humans to be making intelligent decisions. So, Yeah, 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 totally, totally. And, 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 like to be clear, right? It's not that those guys are not making good products. I think they're doing great product. And and honestly, they're like, it's, it's really tough job to, you know, think about it, do something that will prevent like automatically. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad they're here. The, 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 the really higher level point is yes, but that's not all there is. And, and, And that's what makes me happy in, in the security industry is I think we're really seeing this kind of shift, uh, you know, as, as the security industry becomes more mature, where, you know, most people are kind of going from, you know, from that mentality that probably, you know, five, 10 years ago was a lot more prevalent of like, you know, what's, I've actually heard this in a, in a, in a, in a call a long time ago, but, you know, just tell me which, which box I need to buy and put on my network to be safe. Um, and so, you know, I think, I think we're kind of leaving this behind and we're kind of all realizing these days, like, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot more complicated than this. It's a more, a lot more holistic. Yeah. And the first part of it is you need to be able to have visibility and you need to be able to do something about it. Yeah. You know, the t- two pieces to that one is you talked about visibility 
and then automatic behavior or automatic action based upon what's seen. And then the other piece is, you know, the magic box, right? So a big thing that I have had to express to people in the last, you know, you talk about the last shift in the last decade here is that I've had to help them understand that if they take a network layer security appliance out of the management stream of highly, highly experienced, competent individuals who are actively monitoring, actively managing that, then it's just, it's a really expensive, fancy doorstop at that point. You know, and that's, I think that's so true with everything that exists in security now. So, I mean, I'm glad that finally the industry mindset is is shifting a, a bit on that. But the, also, so that the thing that still sticks uh, as a problem is the visibility element. You know, this whole conversation we're having about needing to get more visibility, but then doing something effectively with the data, the same problem exists at the network layer too. I mean, how many people are actually doing effective levels of micro segmentation? You know, yeah. they're not. Um, how many people are actually looking at the firewall logs at the endpoints and determining, oh, what's actually really going on there? I mean, does anybody have a system that says, oh my goodness, we're seeing these blocked ingress attempts on these 30 systems simultaneously. Now, what are we going to do about that, right? I mean, there's still visibility gaps that exist, and I think we just have to have eternal vigilance to try to solve it. That's right. That's right. And I think it's a, um, I would describe it as it's a layered, like it's a layered problem, right? The very first layer is uh, you need to have the information and you need to be there. <clears throat> and uh, that's, you know, the reason I kind of call that out specifically is because that's really how we've been building our approach, meaning um, you know, I think if you look at, at an AV product, I'm going to bucket all AV products together under that, that term, uh, just for simplicity. Uh, you know, I think what, what they're doing, in many ways, they're doing a lot of the same things that we're doing. The difference is they're only exposing one layer, that top layer where, it, you know, they're telling you, hey, I blocked like this ransomware, you're now safe. But they, they do need that visibility, right? They need that whole kind of stack of, uh, of solution and analysis. Uh, and so that's like the, the approach that we're taking of saying, hey, that's really good, but now people want access to those other layers. That's really kind of the answer that, that we're putting it in where we're building that foundational layer, we're putting it in place and we're building it ourselves with you know, APIs that like people can use, but you're not, you're not, it's not that you're forced to use that layer uh, because, you know, we add other layers on top that kind of simplify things. But at the end of the day, it means that it is there. You have the visibility. Um, you're able to also kind of integrate at that level, right? That's why, you know, some people use Lima Charlie, uh, you know, a little bit more like an RMM a little bit, um, like a bunch of different solutions, because at the end of the day, they have access to the whole stack. And so if they want to, you know, deploy packages and manage how they go, uh, well, they have the ability, the agent is there. Um, it has the ability to, you know, run things, interact. And so we, we expose that. And that's why the other thing you mentioned earlier around the training, that's why we're putting all of our training out there kind of for, for free, um, because that's not, you know, 
Like we don't want to make money on training, but rather we think we have a, like, that unique solution and we want to make sure that people are able to go and say, you know what, like it's, it's Saturday, got a couple hours. I feel like playing, experimenting with this and, you know, having a free tier, getting some training, playing with it, no contracts, like none of that stuff. I think that's a big, like that's a big difference to how a lot of products kind of put so many gates in front of them. Yeah, I was very disappointed by Sentinel One's approach, for example, where they want you to pay a, even if you're a partner with, you know, 3,800 endpoints under management, for example, they still want you to pay for a special, I uh, don't remember the exact price tag, but it was a training class fee for every single one of your engineers that you went through the training class. And it's like, you know, that is not helping me consume the product. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and at a higher level, it's not, it's not helping the industry. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not, I, I feel like putting those gates is not how the security industry grew up and, and was able to share knowledge and share all these things. Well, I mean, I think it's part of brand, you know, protect, protecting your brand is facilitating people to utilize your product competently, you know, sure. and, and effectively. And so when there is this very significant barrier to get people to know how to competently utilize something, well, you know, then there's going to be less people to consume it, but also the people that do consume it may not be using it as optimally as they could be. And they might just use it completely incorrectly. And that doesn't protect the brand. <laughs> you know? Yep, yep, yep. It, it's sure. amazing that, you know, like you and I get this completely, but, you know, venture capital, they don't get that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think it's a time scale. I think it's looking at things in a time scale, right? Uh, and, and I'm kind of glad you mentioned it kind of upfront around, uh, you know, kind of doing a partnership with somebody and kind of knowing what the, the drivers are. And, you know, we are here to build this AWS for cybersecurity. Like that's, that's where we're going. Um, we're going to get there in many different ways. Uh, but, you know, where we're going, like you said, is, is not the IPO, right? Like that's not the destination. And I think when you see it through a different prism like that, um, it changes a little bit uh, where you optimize. You know what you optimize. Do you optimize for uh, gotcha revenue, or or do you optimize for like no? You know, let's make this really accessible, and and you know, we're we're gonna grow like big enough that like things will work out. But we know that at every step of the way, you know, we we offer kind of legitimate uh, you know products and services and help the industry and that kind of stuff. I find also something that interesting happens in, in the IT industry when you make a product accessible and flexible is that the consumers of said product will sometimes come up with ways to effectively utilize it in ways that the designers never even anticipated it. You know, so you get a whole new level of innovation there. Oh, totally. And and that's that's already happening, right? We it's funny because we've uh, we kind of always you know, talked about like, hey, what we're building, like AWS is kind of like Lego blocks, right? Um, we, we make it easy to like put them together, but ultimately kind of build a little bit what you want out of them. 
Uh, and and I, I'd say in the last year, we've really started getting the, you know people kind of reaching out to us and going like, yeah, I've played with you know with Lima Charlie, and I want to you know, and then they'll just kind of lay out you know this is what what they want to do, what they want to achieve, uh, and it's it's been really surprising, and it's opened our eyes to like, hey, yeah, you know that's what we've been building, and then you know some people are actually catching on because it's not really a common, uh, you know, that's, that's the drawback of what we're doing, which is we're not, we're not a Gartner, you know, keyword. Um, yeah. you know, we, we kind of, we, we tackle problems and solutions um, and don't care so much about the label. Um, but uh, so, yeah, it, it does mean that, you know, communicating what we do in, in training is that much more important. Well, right. And I think that's an important piece because there certainly is a segment that is looking for the Jedi mind trick. You know, they, that's what they want to buy. Uh, they're, they're, I'm just going to call them the lemmings, right? They're, these are the folks who can't construct their technology stack on their own. They don't understand how all the parts and pieces integrate together, what the interaction effects are. And you know, if they eventually, I think, figure out to use LC, that's great. But I don't know that that is exactly your target market. And, um, you know, those are just the folks that are going to go out there and look at the Gartner Magic Quadrant and go and like, well, that's what we're going to buy. There you go. And, and then they're not necessarily even going to know what the rest of the gaps are that exist. Mm-hmm. And as you said earlier, I mean, like what's on the Gartner Magic Quadrant? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's some good products there but that doesn't create the totality of a, of a solution. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, I think what, what's going to happen there, right? If I, I, I make a little bit of a prediction, um, you're absolutely right. There's a, honestly, you, that's why, you know, the, the quote unquote EDR products of like 10 years ago are now mostly on the automation, like EPP, AV side of things, which is that, you know, the category of people that, you know, are looking for kind of that that magic box that kind of does it automatically is really big. Um, I think it's actually really big, but it's uh, it's normal. I, I see it as absolutely normal in that uh, it's the same thing in IT, right? You can't expect you know a, a mom and pop you know uh, small company to care and have really in depth IT infrastructure to do what they do. What they'll do is they'll go through. MSPs, they'll go through other products that kind of, you know, they, it, it's like a, you know, electricity, like step down, right? Like the, to lower the voltage for like a house where they'll take these complex solutions like AWS, right? These like huge set of capabilities and Lego blocks that not everybody can use. And then they'll boil it down into a product. So that's part also why, uh, you know, we, we did this pure usage, uh, like billing, uh, not change, but like alternate way of doing billing, which is based on very sp- like specific metrics of how you use a platform, because we wanted to encourage people to come in and say, hey, you know what? I'm a security researcher. I have, uh, you know, a- amazing knowledge on how to do DN, let's say like, uh, you know, DNS machine learning on, on like DNS requests to detect bad guys and, uh, you know, name it, or based on, uh, you know, file hashes with some like data sources I have, like these crazy things. Uh, I want to bring this knowledge 
and not just have it be like a knowledge that maybe goes in a PDF or something or, or in a talk, but I want to bring it to a, like a product to put something out there that makes it operational. And right now, pre Lima Charlie, if you wanted to do that, right, what were your options? Well, you could go full, you know, full enterprise, go raise $5 million, spend the next two years developing your endpoint agent that runs all these platforms. And, you know, turns out building an endpoint is really, really hard. Um, or you could go and say, well, I'm going to support everything that's on the market. And okay, yeah, you're going to go and you're going to start building support on, you know, 15 different platforms that change all the time. Um, that you have to tweak all the time. You have to target the common, you know, lowest common denominator. And now, you know, with Lima Charlie, the idea is, well, now you don't need to go through these two things. If you want, you can build it on Lima Charlie. It's APIs, it's infrastructure, right? That's why we always use that word infrastructure because we want people to go and leverage it. And we want to tell people, look, don't, build your own agent, why would you build your own agent and go through all that trouble? Use it like you would use Lima Charlie, like you'd use EC2 to build your product, right? It's the same thing. And so yeah. build it, get to market in a month and, you know, conquer the world. <laughs> yeah. Let, let me kind of build upon that. Uh, some interesting sure. uh, concepts. So just even yesterday, I received a phone call uh, by a continuous compromise assessment tool platform. And the first thing that I asked them was, okay, so let's just talk a little bit about how it works, right? You got to install another agent on the endpoints, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, of course, that's how it works. So, you know, this, this whole concept of like the tool proliferation and there is absolutely an upper limit as to how many agents you can put on endpoints. I mean, we get to a point where, I mean, how many agents are you running on an endpoint before the entire horsepower of that endpoint exists just, you know, for the security and monitoring layer? It's preposterous, right? So I've been really rejecting this whole concept that a lot of, a lot of MSPs are doing where they just continue to just cram more stuff on the endpoints. And it's like, you know, where's the line here, people? So the, the paradigm that says we're going to select probably no more than three agents and we're going to force everything that we need to be done with those agents, the world needs more of that paradigm and less of a paradigm that is this silofication that you articulated, which is, you know, some, somebody has this brilliant idea, they go out and that, you know, get $2 million and then they go build this product and now there's another silofied thing. And then they go down the whole same old stupid dead horse business tactics <laughs> route of like, now we're going to have an API integration someplace and now we got to maintain that. Oh, but wait, you only get an API integration with this manufacturer, not the other one. You know, I mean... <laughs> I'm, I'm mind boggled all the time as to why people continue to do the same old things, you know, that folks like us have known in this industry for probably at least the last 16 years were not good models. They just don't scale effectively. That's right. That's right. And I think, I think there's a couple of companies that, that understood part of that and they almost got it right is how I would describe it. Right. So there's a couple of companies out there. Um, that you know have their agent and they'll say, well, well we're going to build an app store 
And, uh, you know, through this app store, we can have like these, you know, these other partner people build products that kind of leverage our product. And that's almost there. The only gap is it makes the assumption that the, the end user uh, still has to buy and pay, you know, full bore for your product before they pay for that other product, that app, right? And then as an app developer, you're also very, very, you know, limited in the types of interactions and who you sell it to. And if you want to go and you want to, you know, make a, build a business there and you want to go and, and, you know, sell your product to some company that is not using that, you know, that, that endpoint technology, well, you know, you've just lost a customer straight up. So I think that's the, the Delta, which is a little bit more on the business side of things, but you know, that's, that's still important. Uh, which is to say, when we talk about all of this, you know, we, the way, you know, we say infrastructure is because we see that, uh, you know, you can go and build your product with Lima Charlie and go and offer it to somebody else and not have to pay for the whole, you know, Lima Charlie EDR, which can be a big cost to a lot of people. Um, you know, there's a lot of very small companies that it, it's still a big cost for them. And, uh, so the ability to really treat it like EC2 and go and say, you know what, I, I, I'm going to go and deploy it. And, and that's where the pure usage kind of billing that we offer comes in is because if all you're doing is DNS, all you're going to pay is for, you know, DNS events going through the wire, which is nothing, which all of a sudden now, you know, it makes sense as a business to go and start leveraging that. Right. So let, let's take the uh, rest of the time left. We got about three minutes here. Fill me in on kind of a high level technical strategic idea you'd have for someone who wanted to use LC to deploy Sysmon and then to collect Sysmon generated events after, of course, it's tuned with a config file uh, and then what might they do with that? You know, are, are there uh, subscriptions they can subscribe to that's going to help them produce some curated events to humans. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, yes, that, that's exactly it. Uh, it goes back a little bit to the layered approach. So, you know, deploying Sysmon, super trivial, like deploying a, a package through Linux Charlie, um, configuring Linux Charlie to subscribe to Windows event logs in real time. Again, really, really trivial. So whether it's Sysmon, whether it's, you know, kind of core Windows events or um, Windows Defender is kind of the other one example we, we you know, put out some example configs uh, recently. That's really easy. And we take care of kind of forwarding all that to the cloud, doing the retention, all that. In the cloud, you kind of get those, I, I'll simplify and say like two options, right? So all these events, um, whether they're Windows event logs or the, the core events that Lima Charlie is producing, like you know, new process, all of that, um, is going through an engine, a detection engine that runs at wire speed. So again, it's not like every three minutes we send a batch of event logs, it's like 100 millisecond type thing. As it goes through that, that engine, uh, you, know, you can automate response or detection generating alerts, tagging, all that stuff. That engine, you have access to. You don't have to, you know, like codify all these things. And, but we have great training. We make it available to you so that 
you know, the morning a wanna cry happens, you don't, you're not just, you know, turning to your vendor going, when am I gonna be protected? You can just like go and put it yourself. Um, and then that layered approach is, yeah, the types of subscriptions that we do. So we, um, we have a way that you can, uh, you know, we have a tiny marketplace. Most things that are free, there's a couple of things that are paying when it relates to, you know, another vendor or when they have a cost for us. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's kind of two big, uh, two big ones in that space that are really worth calling out. So one is um, called, uh, it's the Soteria rule. So Soteria is an MSSP that's been uh, working on Lima Charlie for a long time. Um, they've developed their own sets of rules that work on that engine, you know, at wire speed, many hundreds of rules across a whole bunch of different platforms. And um, they, you know, they give you a really great, uh, you know, blanket kind of coverage against a whole bunch of types of different attacks and behaviors, uh, you know, on, on all the platforms. And that's where the, the layered approach comes from. You can just, you know, one click say, I want to subscribe to this. And at, you know, at the API level, we kind of orchestrate it. We apply those rules continuously to your tenant. The other one we have is, is kind of the open source mirror of that. So um, it's Sigma. So if you don't, you know, if folks don't know what Sigma is, uh, you should really check it out. Um, so Sigma is kind of a generic, um, an open source generic language for, you know, querying uh, different engines, I would say, whether it's Splunk or, you know, QRADAR or whatever it is um, for different types of attacks. But also part of this is, they put out a, um, an open source set of rules. So it's open source, you can go, you can read them, you can see what they do. Um, and what we do is we have our own integration with Sigma. We're one of the few vendors that have done our own integration. And it allows us to, in a continuous way, right? We, we love DevOps, so it's a CI/CD pipeline, continuous integration and deployment pipeline. We take those rules, convert them into Lima Charlie format and apply them. So again, with one click, you can say, I want to apply that whole rule set on my, you know, on my tenant because we're, we're multi-tenant. I, I want to comment on the wire speed. That is so absolutely crucial. I mean, it's just so absolutely crucial. Literally in the contracts that we have with clients, we have it specified that, you know, if, if we're doing the MDR function, you know, the managed detection and response function, then it is our ability and right to decide that a particular endpoint needs to be isolated at any point in time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the deficiencies that exists in a lot of SOC workflows is because the SOCs don't have direct relationships with the customers. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily have that authority to be able to do that. And then there's a lot of these telemetry systems that have just too much delay in the sending of the data. And I mean, that is just such a, a level of frustration that I have as someone who has been doing knock and sock monitoring for 20 years is like, I know it's happening because I'm looking at the console of the system and I can see it, but then I'm looking at, you know, the cloud console and I'm like, where the heck is the data? Why is it? Why is there this delay? You know, and it's frustrating as a security practitioner to deal with technology that has those delays. So I just can't stress enough the uh, importance of wire speed there. Yeah, yeah, so. no, totally agree. It, it, it's, that's the first, that's the first, you know, delay, right? If that delay is five minutes, you're never gonna get faster yeah. in your response in five right. minutes. Right, right, 
it's it's just horrifically bad yeah and the CISO for Fortinet recently did this uh, webinar where he talked about the convergence of knock and sock and how crucial it is that this the time frame uh, between detection and response is condensed is just absolutely you know we're talking we we desire for milliseconds right <laughs> we, we we desire for milliseconds so um, it's certainly five minutes is just too darn long. Okay. Well, anyways, thank you so much for coming on uh, the Breakfast Bites podcast. And uh, maybe we'll have you back again when I have some more ideas to pick your brains about. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, but I hope everybody enjoyed the show and is going to go and check out LC.